Hello, I'm Mary, and you're listening to First Pages Readings. In this podcast, I explore reading and celebrate books as cultural messengers. Each episode, I'll read from three books of either fiction, nonfiction, young adult, middle grade, or poetry. Hello, and welcome to First Pages Readings, Episode 16. And thanks for joining me. Today I'll be reading from three books of fiction. Let's get started. Today's first book is Love Medicine by Louise Erdrich. An astounding piece of art, this book will move you and leave you changed. Its story, its characters, and its language have the power to take your breath away. The first page of Love Medicine. Any mispronunciations are respectfully unintentional. The World's Greatest Fisherman. The morning before Easter Sunday, June Cashpaw was walking down the clogged main street of oil boomtown Williston, North Dakota, killing time before the noon bus arrived that would take her home. She was a long-legged Chippewa woman, aged hard in every way except how she moved. Probably it was the way she moved, easy as a young girl on slim, hard legs, that caught the eye of the man who rapped at her from inside the window of the rigger bar. He looked familiar like a lot of people looked familiar to her. She had seen so many come and go. He hooked his arm, inviting her to enter, and she did so without hesitation, thinking only that she might tip down one or two with him and then get her bags to meet the bus. She wanted at least to see if she actually knew him. Even through the watery glass, she could see that he wasn't all that old, and that his chest was thickly padded in dark red nylon and expensive down. Today's next book is Two Years, Eight Months, and Twenty-Eight Nights by Salman Rushdie. This is a wondrous book, full of intrigue and humor and grand storytelling. The book is like a jewel, turned different ways and changing light. It displays illusions and mysteries at every turn. The first page of Two Years, Eight Months, and Twenty-Eight Nights. Very little is known, though much has been written, about the true nature of the jinn the creatures made of smokeless fire. Whether they are good or evil, devilish or benign, such questions are hotly disputed. These qualities are broadly accepted, that they are whimsical, capricious, wanton, that they can move at high speed, alter their size and form, and grant many of the wishes of mortal men and women, should they so choose, or if by coercion they are obliged to do so and that their sense of time differs radically from that of human beings. They are not to be confused with angels, even though some of the old stories erroneously state that the devil himself, the fallen angel Lucifer, son of the morning, was the greatest of the jinn. For a long time their dwelling places were also in dispute. Some ancient stories said, slanderously, that the jinn lived among us here on earth, the so-called lower world in ruined buildings and many insalubrious zones, garbage dumps, graveyards, outdoor latrines, sewers, and, wherever possible, in dung hills. According to these defamatory tales, we would do well to wash ourselves thoroughly after any contact with a jenny. They are malodorous and carry disease. However, the most eminent commentators long asserted what we now know to be true, that the jinn live in their own world, separated from ours by a veil, and that this upper world, 
sometimes called Paristan or Fairyland, is very extensive, though its nature is concealed from us. To say that the jinn are inhuman may seem to be stating the obvious, but human beings share some qualities, at least, with their fantastical counterparts. Today's third book is Restless by William Boyd. This book draws us in from the beginning, and we're compelled to follow page after page to uncover its story and to learn more about its characters' private lives. This is engaging storytelling with a beating heart. The first page of Restless. Into the Heart of England. When I was a child and was being fractious and contrary, and generally behaving badly, my mother used to rebuke me by saying, one day someone will come and kill me, and then you'll be sorry. Or, they'll appear out of the blue and whisk me away. How would you like that? Or, you'll wake up one morning and I'll be gone. Disappeared. You wait and see. It's curious, but you don't think seriously about these remarks when you're young. But now, as I look back on the events of that interminable hot summer of 1976, that summer when England reeled, gasping for breath, poleaxed by the unending heat, now I know what my mother was talking about. I understand that bitter dark current of fear that flowed beneath the placid surface of her ordinary life, how it had never left her, even after years of peaceful, unexceptionable living. I now realize she was always frightened that someone was going to come and kill her, and she had good reason. It all started, I remember, in early June. I can't recall the exact day, a Saturday most likely, because Johann wasn't at his nursery school, and we both drove over to Middle Ashton as usual. We took the main road out of Oxford to Stratford, and then turned off it at Chipping Norton, heading for Esham, and then we turned off again and again, as if we were following a descending scale of road types. Trunk road, road, B road, minor road, until we found ourselves on the metalled cart track that led through the dense and venerable beechwood. If you liked listening to this episode, please leave a review and tell me what you think.